Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. We've been in a series, if you're a guest, we're really glad that you're here. We've been in a series entitled Getting Back Into Shape, and we're talking about our spiritual well-being. Not our physical fortress that we are, not our mental capacity, at least in human flesh, but we're talking about what it really means to be who God wants us to be. The spirit within us longing and encouraging us to be like Jesus. So two weeks ago we began and we talked about if we're going to be in spiritual shape, we need to understand the necessity, the essence of praise. What does it really mean to praise God? That we don't keep reducing it to a style of a song, that if it's a fast song, it's praise. If it's a slow song, it's worship. There's nothing in the Bible that would substantiate that. Nor do we think of praise and worship as something we do on the weekend. Folks, our God is worthy of praise all day, every day, in every way. Whether it's in song, whatever it is, whatever you're facing, He's worthy of praise because greater is he than anything in the world. Amen to that? Well, then last week we talked about faith. Specifically, what does it mean to develop faith goals? Because we say it all the time, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. And we know that many of us at the turn of the year, we begin to set up these, if you will, these goals, these wants, these New Year resolutions Sadly, how many of them falter and we just kind of let them go to the wayside. But we all know in business, we all know this in so many things, that if you don't have a goal and it's not written, it's not going to happen. Now we get this in the human world. Why don't we understand how important it is when it comes to our spiritual lives? It saddens me. And maybe it's just because you've never been taught it. How many people are followers of Jesus, yet they have no goals? They have no written faith goals by which they're aiming at. I just did it again. Updated because I do it so often when it comes to my spiritual life. And yesterday, I just spent time with God looking at my goals. Where are we at? What needs to change? What needs to expand? What needs to be raised? What needs to be added? Because I continually look at them. In my life personally, in my marriage, with my children, in the church. Because if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. And when it comes to our spiritual lives, folks, he's worth aiming at, right? Paul said that. So we talked about that. If you didn't hear that message in in the previous one, I would encourage you to do so. Well, this week we're going to talk about how do we keep on keeping on. One of the most popular words in the entire word of God is the word endurance, perseverance. Over and over, it's written in there because we all face challenges, right? How do we stay the course? How do we stay uh, stay consistent and do those things that really matter? Because we live in a fallen world. We live in a broken world and adversities are going to be a part of your life. In fact, let me just add this and say this. If you thought coming to Christ was going to be a problem-free life, I hate to break the news to you. Whoever told you that was not honest. If you want a problem-free life, you ready for this? Quit following Jesus. 
If you want one of those lives where everything goes well, forget, forget Jesus. Because, you, but, but it is true in a lot of ways. Watch this. Because when you're not following Jesus, Satan has you where he wants. Therefore, he doesn't really have to mess with your life. Now, problems will happen just because we live in a problematic world, right? But the moment you give your life to Jesus, trust me, the devil's going to show up in amazing ways. The last thing he wants you to do is following Jesus and being committed. And Jesus said it, did he not? You're going to have problems, but take heart. I've overcome them. I'm bigger. And so we, we, have, we have the winning formula, and that's in Jesus. But how do we keep on keeping on? Because winds blow. We talked about that last week. I love what the French Foreign Legion has as their inspiring motto. I think you appreciate this. If I falter, push me on. If I stumble, pick me up. If I retreat, shoot me. <laughs> now, I'm not, I'm not suggesting... That's what we do, okay? I'm not suggesting that at all. But I am saying this. If we are truly children of God and followers, we don't quit. Amen. We don't give up. I mean, Pastor Noah asked that question. He said, have you ever felt that way? And a lot of hands went up. I have. But we just don't quit. Because of who God is. I, I get the want. But I have the spirit that's my will. And that's always bigger. And so we carry on. It's one of those things. I, I, you may see it as arrogant. I don't. I call it confidence. There's a reason why I've still been here after 23 years. Because I just, I just I can't quit. He laid it all down for me. Okay? So we pick up and carry on. And, and by the way, because I, I just wonder if I quit, if maybe that one more step I would have had that floodgate of heaven open in unbelievable ways. I just wonder how many people got this close. And you just, you just have to understand, it, it is that one more breath, that one more step. Because God is truly faithful. And, and you just hang in there. Because God's going to do something amazing. The resurrection's on its way. It's going to happen. Because that's the God we serve, right? Look, look, the Bible says this. Look what the Bible says in Colossians 2. Now that we've accepted Jesus as our Lord, now that we're saved, finish it with me. Come on. We keep on keeping on in following him. That's just what we do. Now that he's my savior, we just keep on keeping on. These two words, keep on, are all throughout the New Testament. Look at Galatians 6, 9. Keep on keeping on. Don't get discouraged and give up. For we will reap a harvest of blessing at the appropriate time. 1 Peter 4, keep on keeping on, rejoicing so that at the revelation of his glory, you may also rejoice. In other words, it will happen. You see, understand this. You know why we do? Because the life that God called us to is not about starting, it's about finishing. How many times you heard me say it? Starters are a dime a dozen. People come up to me all the time going, hey, here's what I'm getting ready to do. And I, I smile and pretend like I'm happy. And, and I know you might be shocked because anybody can start things. It's the finishers that God put in our spirit. And so I, I, I know when people get started with something, I, I just know problems are going to come. But where I get excited are though you just keep pressing on. You just, you just keep. 
because that's what we do. That's the journey we're on. President Calvin Coolidge once said, nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not, for nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with great talent. Genius will not, unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not, the world is full of educated misfits. Persistence and determination alone are supreme. Now, I just want you to understand, here's where I think our president got it wrong. Persistence and determination with the supreme is supreme. Because now you're doing it for a bigger purpose than you. If you got your Bibles, go to 2 Timothy 4. And we're going to look at, because the key to keeping on, keeping on, is realizing there are four significant habits you need to put in your life. And so that, that's what we're going to talk about. And I'm going to tag team with Pastor Jonathan today. And so I, I personally, I want to give you some good stuff, but I want to get off this stage and get him up here because this stuff is just great. So if you got your Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 4, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, look what Paul writes to Timothy about what it means to pastor the church and how to lead the people. Look what he says. 2 Timothy 4, beginning in the first verse. I solemnly urge you. I'm not going to get into that in a deep way, only to say this. What he's about to say, you do not want to miss. This is big stuff. I solemnly urge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. In other words, you just keep preaching the truth, just keep on keeping on. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. I believe we're in that time. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you, you should keep a clear mind in every situation. We'll talk about that in a minute. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. Just keep on keeping on. As for me, watch this. My life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. Key words, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. Don't miss this. And the prize, this prize, this reward, is not just for me, but for all who keep on keeping on, but all who are eagerly looking forward to his appearing, all of those two who will fight the good fight, they will finish the race and stay faithful. If you got your notes, take them out. Let me give you the first habit. Keep your life clean. Say that with me. 
Keep your life clean. This is what it means to keep the faith. I read about a father who came home from his work and found his little girl had been playing in the mud. Anybody ever been there? I love, I love what he said. My, you're pretty dirty. I love what she said. I know, daddy, but I'm prettier clean. <laughs> I like that. You know, what the, you know what the answer is? We all are. But not just prettier. We're more powerful. Like the engine in your automobile. You want more power? Keep the engine clean. And the same is in your spiritual life. Look what 2 Timothy 2 says. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a utensil that God can use for his purpose. A teacher was checking her students, and you know this line, but don't finish it. Just want you to watch how this played out. A teacher was checking her students to see how they would respond to the following question. Cleansliness is next to... I told you not to say it. See, see, keep, you keep your life pure and keep your ears open. <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> One little boy shouted from the back of the room, impossible, okay? Think about that statement because I think some people think that because I've, I, I said it last week. How many people have said, well, none of us are perfect. That makes you the focus. We do that all the time. We justify our lives within what we can't do rather than what he did. And that'll get us in trouble. See, here's the way I like to say it. Because we all know cleansiness is next to what? Godliness, right. Here's the way I like to say it. Cleansliness leads to godliness. Jesus said these words, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Your inside world matters to God more than any other world. You see, you may not be a preacher or a teacher or a singer by way of profession, but we are all professing as preachers and teachers and singers with our lives. You're all doing what I do every day. And if we're going to make a difference in this world, we better take this inside world serious. And I'll say this. Now watch this. I'm not, I'm not going against what I just said. I'm not suggesting perfection, but I am suggesting a want to. I want to be like Jesus, people. I want to be like Jesus, and I trust you do too. And so we need to learn what it means to keep our world clean, our lives clean. Romans 12 says, hate what is evil and hold on to what is good. Here's what I've learned. It's hard to carry on when you're carrying around unnecessary baggage. It's really hard. That's why I think we need to pray as David prayed. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. Point out anything you see in me that offends you that offends you. Your private world matters, people. And some of you guys right now, you might think that no one knows that I'm looking at pornography because it's in my own private room in my own little place and no one knows. You're right, no one knows except God and the devil. They're there. And the devil wants you to think that. 
And we got people that can help because we love you. We got incredible people that can help. They've been there. Here's number two. Keep your eyes open. Say that with me. Keep your eyes open. Now I'm about to tell you a really bad joke. Hang in there, okay? So a blind man walks into Walmart one day with his seeing eye dog. He stops at one of the aisles and reaches down, picks up his dog by the tail and begins swinging the dog around. Horrified, a lady walks up and says, what in the world are you doing? Calmly, he puts the dog down and says, I was just looking around. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I know <laughs> that was bad, all right? <laughs> okay, really bad. Okay, notice I didn't use a cat. Okay, <laughs> I'll leave that one alone. Um, but now watch this. That may be a stupid joke in this world. But I wonder how many times the devil picks you up by the tail and whips you around and you let your eyes look at all these things you should never be looking at. It's not so funny. And it happens all the time. I see it. And I'm not afraid to point it out. But I want men, I want you to listen to this. A woman is from the neck up, not from the neck down. And you'd never be okay with guys looking at your daughter that way. And every time you do that, you're looking at someone else's daughter. And more importantly, you're looking at one of his creations. Don't ever think what you look at and no one notices isn't making a difference. And that's what I'm saying. It's hard to carry on when you keep carrying around things you shouldn't be carrying around. You might want to write this down. What I choose to see becomes me. What I choose to see becomes me. Jesus said this. The eye is the lamp of the body. Jesus said this. The eye, the eye. These things right here are the lamp to the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body be full of light. Now watch this. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body be, will be full of darkness. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love, right? There's a really rotten little guy from below who's watching too. And he ain't looking in love. He's looking to destroy and divide. You know, I've heard it said, the grassy sidelines may look nice for a moment when you're tired and you want to quit and lay down, but they pale in comparison to reaching the finish line. You need to keep your eyes on the prize. In Psalm 105, 4, and I'm going to invite John from the stage. Here's what it says. Keep your eyes open for God. Don't miss that line because I'm going to tell you what that means. Keep your eyes open for God. Watch for his works. Watch for his works. Be alert for the sign of his presence. The word keep here has the idea of a concentrated gaze. It means to look away from lesser things so you keep all of your attention on the main thing. When David wrote this, I'm going to put it in modern day language. 
When David wrote this, he was thinking of a lost child out at the Midway Carnival. A little girl walking around at our fair. She's enthralled by the lights and the sounds and the smells and her eyes are looking this way and that way and she doesn't even realize that she's actually walking into danger. But then suddenly she hears her mother's voice. Her mother crying out to her. She looks up, looks around and she sees her mom. And she sees her mom waving and she starts walking toward her mom fixed on her mother, walking straight ahead, ignoring now everything around her. That's the picture David wanted you to get. Turn your eyes on Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Amen. Now, I want, I want you to welcome Jonathan, but watch this. I have a lot of people commenting on my shoes. Okay. I know I, I, I look incredible. And so, but whatever shoes you like or don't like, he's the blame. Okay. And so Jonathan, come on, brother. By the way, he's, by the way, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. God is doing a cool thing in Jonathan right now. He's getting ready in July to open up a shoe store. Watch. It's true. I, I want you to listen to this. I want you to listen to this. It's a ministry. It's 100% a ministry. The whole store is designed that he can move the, the, all the shelves away and they can do church in there as he's continuing to grow his home church. I would invite you, if you want to look like me, you want to shop there, okay? All right, but, but some of you are going, no, nah, I don't want to look like you. I want to look like him. Shop there, okay? All right, but here's the deal is, even if you don't buy something, you want to do something for the kingdom, go in, hang out, and breathe a prayer because God's going to do something to reach a lot of lost, broken people. Would you welcome Jonathan? Thank you, Pastor Keith. Good morning, church. And Pastor Keith, I just wanted to say, um, man, I can't even, words can't express just how grateful I am for you, um, how you've impacted my life, but man, so many others. I really just say from the bottom of my heart, thank you for um, always loving me and challenging me to get better as a believer and being like Jesus out in everyday lives. So thank you. But I, and before I start, church, I just want to speak to my generation and even the generation after me. Um, Pastor Keith's heart and leadership is really serious and wanting and willing to empower our generation. I mean, I think what a, what a time we are in that um, just having conversations with Pastor Keith and he really hearing his heart and the vulnerability of it, I love it because he's really saying here, how can we empower this next generation? And that comes to a thing of us as a responsibility as the younger generation of leadership and Pastor Keith saying here it is, but then what are we going to do with it? So, man, this whole series is just so timely that I want you to be thinking about it as we go on in our everyday lives and how, how do we be Jesus out in our communities and everything that we do. Amen. So just to recap, the first point was staying clean. The second one was keeping your eyes open. 
and it's so important. The, the third one that I want to talk about is keep your purpose. For those of you that are in construction, you guys will understand what I, what I mean by this. But the footing, in construction, the footing is the most important part of the foundation. It is so crucial to what will happen from then on. But church, I want to say this, and I want us to just understand this. We can't keep our purpose firm if that purpose is not founded on Christ Jesus. I want to say that again. If our purpose is not founded on Christ Jesus, it won't work. It'll crumble. We may think we can do things on our own. We can't. So knowing that our foundation has to be firm, we have to keep our purpose in him. Isaiah 26, 3 says, You, Lord, give perfect peace to those who keep their purpose firm and put their trust in you. Now the key is, and I want to ask this question, do you even know what your purpose is? I think so many times we go in our lives, and I know especially my generation, that's something that we struggle with. What's my purpose? What, what, what am I supposed to do in life? When we go on chasing this carrot over here that the world and the enemy flashes at us and just distracts us from what God has called us to do. So it is so vital for us to be able to endure and persevere knowing what our purpose is. Because if, if, we, don't, if we just go on in our days without knowing what that purpose that God has put on our life, we will be discouraged. See, keeping your purpose firm is an anchor to the wind. The winds blow because they will blow. Pastor Keith has talked about it. We've talked about it in this series. Those winds will come and blow. But if we're anchored in Jesus, we know that nothing can happen to us. Amen? See, Psalm 33, 11 says, God's plans endure forever and his purposes last eternally. See, your purpose is God's promise that whatever you face here on this side of heaven, he's got you. Please go ahead and circle Endure and last. Just look up here. My goal for you, God's goal for you, is that no matter what you will endure, that you will make it to the finish line in life. But one thing that I've learned, and, I, and I'm learning, and I see that so many times we think that this race that we're on is to see if I can finish first. But it's not about if I can finish first, or it's not even about who I'm running against. So many times we'll spend our times comparing my faith, my walk, my purpose with other people's and we're chasing that instead of what God has given us. Comparison is the killer of all joy. But we have to stay, stay firm, keep focused on the race that God has given each and every one of us because there's a purpose for each and every one of us in this room. Keeping your purpose firm will, give you, will be, make you relentless and give you tenacity. Hebrews 6, 17 says... God wants everyone to understand clearly that his purposes will never change. Now I want to ask you, if someone came to you and asked you what your purpose is, would you know how to answer that? I go back to that. That is so important to be able to be walking in that purpose. So I want to give you five purposes of God for our lives. The first one is God wants, to know, God wants us to know him and love him. God, God just doesn't want to have a relationship that it's every Sunday, hey, we're buddies, we hang out on Sundays and everybody goes do their own thing, or a relationship that's like acquaintances. No, he wants to have a deep and intimate relationship with us each and every single day of our lives. The second one is he wants us to belong to his family. Each and every, we're all here, we're the body of Christ. That means so much to him that he wants all of us to be a part of that family. The third one is he wants us to grow spiritually, to be like Jesus. Now, now don't, don't respond to this question that I'm going to ask, but I want you to think about it. On this race that we're on, in this journey that we're on, are we becoming more and more like Jesus? When people see us, do they see Jesus? 
Well, who did, well, what do they see? That is so important. The fourth one is he wants us to serve him by serving others. But I'll go deeper in that, that deeper than even just serving, that it has to become what we do, from what we do to who we are. It has to become to a place that we're not just serving, that we're servants. Jesus himself said, I came to serve, not to be served. So we have to be able to, that is our everyday life of what we breathe. Amen? Amen. And the fifth one is, he wants us to invite others to know him and for us to share and pass on the good news. When we're around other people, whether if it's at work, at school, with our friends, at home and family, wherever we're at, what are we giving them? And the word of God says, from the abundance of my heart, the mouth speaks. What are, what are we giving people? Amen. Romans 6, 13 says, give yourself completely to God because you want to be tools in the hands of God used for his good purposes. See, a successful life isn't measured by pleasure. It's not measured by popularity or the possessions or things that I have or by power or even by position. A successful life is understanding and embracing and living God's purpose. Acts 13, 36 says, David served God's purpose in his generation. See, David did the timeless in in a timely way. He did which will never change in a world that constantly was changing. And if he can do that, so can we. But I'll say better, so should we. You know, but I I believe this, and I've seen this in, in my life, that the greatest barrier to keeping your purpose firm is distraction. I believe that we all get distracted by lesser things. There's this joke that says, the Sunday teacher was describing how Lot's wife looked back at Sodom and Gomorrah and turned into a pillar of salt. So then Jimmy interrupted and said, my mommy also looked back once while she was driving me to school. She didn't turn into a pillar of salt, but she turned into a telephone pole. (laughs) But you know what? But, but that is so true. We get so distracted from things in life. Luke 9.62, and this is a verse that I really want you to hold near and dear to your heart. says, anyone who lets himself be distracted from the work I planned for him is not fit for the kingdom of God. I want, I want to read that again. Anybody who lets himself be distracted from the work I have planned for him is not fit for the kingdom of God. So if I, if I allow myself to get distracted from these things of the world, I, th- it's, I think it's clear that it says I'm not fit for the kingdom of God. You know, I, I heard it say like this once. Just imagine that you're in the forest and you don't have your phone or a compass. And for us that are younger, if we don't have our phones, we go crazy. We don't know what to do. But just imagine we're in the forest and I'm, I'm lost. But I, I kind of know where tr- north is, true north is. So I'm like, okay, I, I know at least I have to walk this way. I know it's close. I might be off just by a little bit, but I'm, I'm, I'm close. And I keep walking and I keep walking and I keep walking. And suddenly, I thought I was close and I suddenly I'm all the way over here. And true note, is over here. And that's what the devil does in our lives. He'll distract us just enough to where we think, I'm coming to church on Sunday, so that's good. I'm, I'm, I'm in a home church. I'm in a life group. I'm doing these things that I should as a Christian. But my life is all the way out here. And just as Pastor Keith said, our private life matters to God. And the devil's also looking at what we're doing in private. So it's so important, church, to stand firm and not be distracted, but to keep our eye on the ball because those distractions will come, but we have to stay firm in the purpose that God has put on our life. Amen? 
And the fourth point I want to talk about is keep your heart grateful. Ephesians 5.20 says, Always give thanks for everything to God our Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And even last night when I was kind of just going through this again and praying, and I was reading this verse, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, do you give, do you give me thanks in everything? And I read this again, it says, always give thanks for God in everything. And I remember asking myself, does that mean I have to give thanks to God in the hard times? What does everything mean? What does it mean? Everything. But as I look at it, I look at that is, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that I'm looking for, forward to these, and I, I'm, I get so excited when trials and tribulations come, but it's the posture of our heart. That if the posture of my heart is brokenness, I will always be grateful. That no matter what season of life I am going through, the posture of my heart is brokenness. Amen? Amen? Amen, church. And see, know this, that God blesses those who are grateful. God uses those who have a grateful heart. And I know this for a fact. God doesn't use complainers and worriers and grumblers. He's looking for people with a broken heart saying, God, I don't have this figured out, but I know you do. And I believe in our lives so many times we get caught up in the destination that we miss the journey. And there's so much in that journey that God wants to show us. Amen. So if you, if you don't stay grateful, you're going to become cynical. See, I don't know if you've noticed in the last couple of years with the pandemic going on and so many other things going on in this world, cynicism is in the rise. People don't trust much anymore. You know, and I, and I believe that's true because I believe that people aren't grateful. We're just not grateful anymore. Colossians 4.2 says, keep on praying, keep on being alert, and keep being grateful. Church, we must keep on keeping on. So you might ask, well, how, how can I be, how can we be grateful even in hard times? Well, because God will give us the strength to get us through. See Colossians 1 verses 11 through 12 says, God will strengthen you with his own great power. And you will not give up when troubles come. But you will be patient and then you'll, and then you'll, be joyful, joyfully giving thanks to the Father. See, the next one is because bad times cannot change God's plans. And I am so grateful in that, that knowing no matter what my situation or what I go through, and no matter if these tough times come my way, God's plan will never change for my life. That brings so much hope and peace to my life. I know that I can trust in that. So no matter what I go through, no matter when times come, I will stand firm because of him. It always comes back to him. See, Hebrews 12, 28 says, do you see what we've got? We've got an unshakable kingdom. And you see how thankful we must be, not only thankful, but brimming with worship, deeply, deeply reverent before God. Who believes here that we have an unshakable kingdom, that we have an unshakable God, that no matter what we go through, he's there. Amen, church? Amen. See, this is huge, church, when... When everything else in society is shaking up and things are going hard, we have something that is unshakable. We have someone that is unshakable. But we have to believe that. We have to believe that in our lives. It has to become, like I said earlier, it has to become who we are. And then the next one is because our lives are being changed by God. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, All of us can reflect the glory of the Lord. As the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like him. Again, I ask, are we becoming more and more like Jesus in our walk? Because look, we're all, trans we're all in a transition. 
We're all transforming. Sometimes it's subtle. Sometimes it's unrecognizable. But trust me, it's happening. And I'm gonna put, we're going to put this verse up on the screen, and I'd like everybody to read it along with me. It's James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when the faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. See, spiritual growth is a slow process. You can't take a pill. You can't, you know, read a book to then or put it in a microwave to automatically in a couple minutes. You know what I mean? We have that. And in our generation, with this instant gratification, that's something that we struggle with. Something that we wrestle with because we want, we want to see the, the, the results now. You know, I started working out again and trying to get, you know, consistent. And I'm over here working out two days and I'm like, okay, I want to see something. It's not going to happen. But we have to be consistent in that. See, God's fruit, the fruits of his spirit, which are love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control are all slow growers. And what I've realized in my life is that I can't just say, God, give me patience, and automatically I'm patient. God will give me an opportunity to be patient. He will put me in positions to be patient. You know, God will give me an opportunity to love others. God will give me an opportunity to be kind. He'll give me an opportunity to then act on self-control. Understanding that the things that we go through, God is working for the good of those who love him and called according to his purpose. Amen? So church, hard, I just want us to understand this, and this is huge. Hard times are one of God's methods to grow in our lives. I see it, I've seen it so much even in my life that I think that when we go through something hard, we're so quick to say, God, take me out of this. God, I don't want to be in this storm. But what if we're missing what God wants to teach us and do in throughout that storm? What if he's saying, but Jonathan, I want to teach you something through this. So what if our perspective changes to God I know you're with me through this storm. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this, but I know you do. And that's when we become more grateful. In church, that's something that we can put our hope on and knowing that no matter what season in life we are, no matter the what comes our way, he's with us. You see, you see that in David's life in Psalms 23 when it says, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He's not camping there. He's not, well, well, you know what? This is my fate. This is what, this is what I'm going to be. He says, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, knowing that this is temporary, knowing that this is a season, knowing that God will get me out of this when time. God, what are you trying to teach me through this? So as we walk through those things in our lives, his understanding, God, I know this is temporary. I know this is not lasting, but God, you are. And we see what God can do in and through that church so here's my prayer for us. It says in, as it says in Ephesians 1.18, I pray that your hearts will be able to understand. I pray that you will know about the hope given by God's call. I pray that you will see great things are that he has purpose to those who belong to him. So here's the deal, church. I don't know what hard times you're going through or the difficulties you're going through, but what I do know is that God's for you.
And you can say, but Jonathan, you don't know what I've gone through. I'm going through a divorce. My mom just died. My dad just died. You don't know what I'm going through. And in church, you're right. I might not know exactly what you're going through, and I'm sorry. But what I do know and I'm certain of is that no matter what we go through on this side of heaven, God is greater than that. No matter what we go through on this side of heaven, we know that God is greater than that. So because of that, whatever comes your way, know that God is there for you and he's standing for you. He's fighting for you, church. God's with you. God loves you. The devil might tell you it's over. This is what you've been destined to. You say, no, this is what God said my life will be. And you stand on those promises because we know that hard times will come, but we know that that's not the end. Amen, church. So as Pastor Keith said it earlier, I want to go back and finish with 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Not, he's not saying I finished first. Look what I did. He's saying I fought the good fight and I finished the race. And I have remained faithful. I can almost just picture that in my head. Him giving everything he had and say, God, I finished. And this world will tell you, like Ricky Bobby did, if you don't finish first, you're last. But that's a lie of the devil. It's not about what place you finish, but it's saying, God, I remain faithful. God, I gave it my all. Here I am. I surrendered to you. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. But this is, this is so good here. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his, to his appearing. Amen to that church. So it all starts with us, church. Are we clean? Are we surrendering to God? What a time right now. If there's something that the Holy Spirit is urging in your life, surrender that to God. Like Pastor Keith was saying, so many times the devil likes to lie to us and tell us, well, nobody knows. You don't have to worry about it. God knows. And that's what should matter. The second thing is we need to open our eyes to what God is doing, not what I'm going through. What am I putting the focus on? Am I putting the focus on my problems or am I putting the focus on God, which is greater than that? And the third one is keep your purpose firm. Do not budge. He's with you. He's there with you. And finally, church, we must be, our hearts must be grateful. On this side of heaven, there'll be trials. Things won't always go as planned, but take heart because know that God's with you. And I can't stop saying that because God's with us. He's for you. He's fighting on your behalf. He loves you. That any weapon that formed against you shall not prosper. So that means that there will be a weapon that will be formed against me. So that will means that I will be attacked, but that means that that will not defeat me. Amen? Amen. Who believes that? Amen? Amen, Amen church. Well, let me go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much. God, we thank you so much because knowing that whatever I go through, you are greater than that. 
because of that, I can anchor everything on that, knowing that, God, you're with me. You're walking with me. You're holding my hand. You're teaching me things. That when things come my way, God, you're fighting on my behalf. And God, we thank you for that. I pray that the posture of our heart be brokenness. Because God, we need you so desperately. In a world that is so shaken up all the time, you're unshakable. And I pray, Lord, that we become people that are unshakable, not because of our strength, but you in us. Because it always comes back to you. So God, we just thank you. We pray that as we on in this week, Lord, I pray that we can put this into practice and that we live this out. That we can be like you so people can come to know you and partake in this beautiful time. God, we thank you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.